My name is John Keeler. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Welcome and, and happy Mother's Day. Um, you know, this is just such a wonderful time, you know, to take time to appreciate our mothers. I know personally, uh, you know, and those of you who are mothers, um, it might take 20 years or so after your kids are out of the house for them to actually appropriately thank you for all that they, you know, that you've done for them. But um, it's a great time to appreciate our mothers, um, important women in our lives, um, those who have helped disciple us along the way, made a lasting impression. And, and as, as we've heard, you know, it's also a difficult time for a lot of people, you know, reminders of lost loved ones, uh, you know, whether you lost a child at some point in life or, you know, the times, uh, and, and for many who have struggled having children and, the, and those challenges, and, and yet there's others who have had difficult relationships with their mothers. I, had, I went through a short period of time myself. <laughs> but, um, you know, that there's, there's a lot of hurt that can come along with a, a day like today. And for me, you know, one of the things that, that I think most about, so as I think about my mother and I appreciate her, there's a lot of other emotions that come out. You know, I, I lost uh, my grandmother, who was, I think, the second most important woman in my childhood. Um, she was just more than a friend, uh, more than a grandparent. And I also remember the time when my wife and I celebrated our first Mother's Day after our, our daughter had passed. So there was, you know, that feeling of helplessness of, you know, trying to help my wife get through it and also myself just wondering at the time if we're going to be parents. I think we were really struggling with that. So it, it can come with a lot of hurt. But as I, I've grown up and, and the more I appreciate my heritage and the people who have invested in me and especially my me mom, it makes me think back to just how grateful I am to be here um, by the grace of God. And I mean that more so than just, you know, saying that flippantly because what, what's important about the story of where I came from and my me mom, she, she uh, got pregnant outside of marriage. Um, and when, you know, she was growing up, that was a big shame to her, her mom. And um, they did not have a strong relationship. Her, her mom was not a, a believer. And this is before, you know, Roe versus Wade. And so there was, um, you know, a lot of pressure from her mom to try to, um, you know, abort my mother, to try to end the pregnancy. And so um, there was time that went by that that was attempted through her mom, and so it was a real traumatic thing for her. She, she never recovered from that experience, and obviously my mother was born by the grace of God, an only child, and to keep my mom, uh, my me mom had to choose to leave the house. She was not welcome anymore, so she was out on the streets in Philly um, for years, and um, they grew up you know, really in a difficult situation that added more and more hurt. And so, you know, when I remember um, my grandmother speaking about her mom and her relationship with her mom, who was, she would call Muti, she, she just really struggled to ever forgive her. And it took a long time. You know, until she started, she told us, until she started to see the relationship that she was able to have with her daughter and how... My mom then had three boys, and how she was able to invest in our relationship. 
And, you know, so over time, God redeemed her story. She never reconciled, you know, before the death of her mom with, with her mom and, and carried a lot of hurt there. But the story was redeemed, and not only just to my mom, but also to me. And as we now have children, that love that she showed, that impact that she had in my life and my mom to help disciple me and prepare me you know, to be a disciple maker has had a traumatic and, and, and great impact on my life. And it really reminds us that, you know, essentially, God is, at his very nature, very intentional, right? He's sovereignly intentional when he leads us through difficult situations and causes good to come of them, when he works things out for our good. He's also in his very nature, relational, right? As he comforts us and draws us to him when we suffer through these difficult situations. So these are two very important qualities that he's passed on to us as his children, right? He's created us to be relational, and he wants us to be intentional in those relationships. And that's how he essentially creates a formation of our character and, and discipling us through our lives. And so these are two very important qualities we want to focus on in the discipleship process. We're in our short mini-series, week two, and um, if you haven't followed with us yet, <clears throat> last week we talked about the definition of a disciple, and if you missed it, you can go back. We've got our podcasts, our videos. Um, but we want you to keep up with us because these, these concepts build on each other. And this week, we're going to specifically be talking about two components that are absolutely essential to the disciple-making process, intentional leaders and a relational environment. So before we get started, I want to show you a quick slide just for a quick review. So we have, um, from last week, we talked about discipleship, and we talked about what the definition of a disciple is. We also talked about the fact that the Great Commission in Matthew 28 explains to us that we're not just to be disciples, but we're also to make disciples, right? We know that. All of us are in the game. We're, we're on the first string team. We're not to be sitting on the sidelines. And we know from Matthew 4.19, uh, we had a succinct definition that a follower of Christ is following him at the head level, being changed by Christ at the heart level, and on mission with him at the hands level. So <clears throat> we have those three components. And that's the same for every single one of us. It doesn't matter if you are a brand new believer, if you are 95 and have discipled 20 different people in your life, it's the same. And it's that fruit that we show in our lives that begin to to really develop us into a person like Christ. And we know that Christ was the foremost example for us, right? He was the perfect disciple maker. He spent time with his disciples. He invested his life with them, right? And he taught them everything that they needed to know. And he spent personal, relational time intentionally developing a plan that he could turn things over to them when he left. 
So, how do we learn to be a disciple maker like our master? How do we grow in that area? Well, the first thing that is always absolutely important, and I think if you've come here before, you know this without a doubt, and we say, we exist to be disciples who make disciples who live and love like Jesus. And in order to do that, we need to start with the playbook, the Bible. So we need to start with the foundation of the word. That is always the most important part of discipleship. In fact, when you think about it, at the core of what we teach, this is not just a book, right? <clears throat> this is not just another book that we can pick up and read at our leisure. It is the very training manual, manual for life. As 2 uh, Timothy 3, 16 and 17 say, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, <clears throat> that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So at the core of, of what we teach, what we do, we need to have the Bible and the, and the person of Jesus Christ at the core of everything we do. And if we're not you know, using the word in discipleship, this is, this is one of the things that um, someone told me back when I first was discipled, and as I've discipled people, I do the same thing. I say, okay, so first thing, we need to open this up. This is discipleship because without it, if you're not opening the word, it's just an accountability partner. It could be a mentorship. Those are great in their own ways. But it's not discipleship without the word. And you want to make that clear. And so when you're in a relationship and you're looking to be discipled or if you're discipling others, I always do that when, when you know, you look at, and, you know, I'm sometimes praying for or finding a, a small group of two or three people to disciple. Set the expectation. It's a commitment. We're going to go through the word. We're going to learn about that. And then the goal is not for me to just dump all this information on you and, a, and then a year we, we walk and go our separate ways. It's that you are going to take what you've learned and do the same with others. So there's the word at the core. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that can change your life is the word of God. It's the only thing that has the power to transform. And we know that from, you know, if you look at Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And I don't know, if, if, if you're a believer, I, I, would, I would imagine you've gone through something similar to, to what I've experienced how the word of God just sometimes hits you like a brick, right, or a gut punch. You, you, you know, one, I remember the one time in a sermon, I had heard over and over again, I've heard, you know, I studied a section of scripture, I've heard it a million times, I've memorized the verse, but for whatever reason, in the sermon, the, the pastor used that verse to explain his point, and I just, it brought me to my knees, re realizing that I had, had unforgiveness in my heart about something. It's just an active part of our lives, and without it, we cannot grow. So we have to, 
we have to really focus on the word as the foundation. That is the, that is the baseline. That is the most important thing that we start with. And, and that's why, for those of you who have kids, I know my wife and I have been extremely blessed to be here at Grace. I, I have honestly never uh, seen a children's ministry and a youth ministry so committed, so committed to teaching the Bible, teaching about discipleship. They are intentional leaders developing our kids for whatever they're going to face. And you know, they can't face it without the word as the foundation. They can't face it without the intentionality of their teachers and their parents and others that, that can help disciple them. You know, we went to a church, a, a real large church at one point for a brief time, and they had all the bells and whistles, a lot of fun, you know, Kona ice truck every month and all this stuff. Great you know, great people, but what was missing was the word and discipleship. And, and really, we would go home, and really, they were teaching, you know, morals and good behaviors and all that stuff, but that's not what's going to prepare our kids for what they face, the challenges they face, the lies that they're told. And so when you have your kids here, we're partnering with you for the long haul. We have a growth plan for them this is an environment where they can develop relationships that are going to deepen their faith with Christ. So after we've kind of covered that as the base, okay, now we're going to build on our model, okay? And, and the pastors and the elders, and there's a long history of using this model. We learned it from real-life discipleship. This is what we're training right now in our leadership training for those of you um, who are in that right now. This is a simple equation, a simple equation but it is so effective. And this is what uh, Pastor R, myself, the elders fully endorse, and we, and we know that it works. And uh, on this next screen, Sharon gets all the credit. She, she put this together for us. Um, and it's a simple equation, right? You need an intentional leader. You need a relational environment. And if anybody's been in the training, keep telling. We need a reproducible process. And that results in an infinite number of disciples, that it keeps growing and growing. It's simple. Now, if you're not a math person, you know, you know the fact that I used the equation, you might shut down now. So <laughs> let, me, let me draw you back out. <clears throat> but if you look at the book of Acts, which we have extensively studied for a long time now, and we've, we're taking a short break, but when you look in the book of Acts, you look at Acts 2... 42 to 46, you look throughout the whole scripture, you know, and the, and the book, you see this equation happening over and over and over and over again. They had intentional leadership within the, the uh, apostles and the leadership that they set up. They had a highly relational environment that we'll never see this day, uh, you know, in, 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 especially in America. They lived life together. They fellowshiped together. They prayed together. They shared together. We see it over and over again. They, they lived life and had a relational environment, and they did this daily. They created a reproducible process. They, as, as people were being saved, they were brought in, and then they were, they were you know, in prayer together, in fellowship together. They were living life together. They shared together. It was a reproducible process, and we saw it started to concentrically you know, expand from Jerusalem, Judea, you know, and, and out to the other most parts of the earth as more and more disciples were made, and that was the plan. 
It's not uh, addition that disciples are made, but multiplication. It happens over and over again. And we see these, these factors. And we're going to specifically be talking about the first two, the intentional leader and the reproducible process. But it's, it's like if you think, okay, so, you know, it is Mother's Day, but I'm going to kind of shift gears to also try to draw in some of the dads and then some of you moms who have experienced this too. It's like any good coach of a sports team knows, right? You need to know, practice, and drill the fundamentals, the essentials to have a winning team, right? I had the absolute pleasure of coaching for many years a junior wrestling team for my boys. And man, that was so much fun. In fact, if you've ever coached any other sport, I'm sorry, you do not take... Uh, you know, it, it doesn't hold a candle to coaching wrestling. And I'm not just saying that because I was a wrestler. But okay, I'm not a, an overly big guy myself. I was a wrestler my whole life. But I never realized, I never realized what I was signing up for. The other coach, who was twice my size, and I, in a hot room that was about 110 degrees, sweaty, and you got bacteria on the mats, he and I needed to demonstrate every move to these kids. And he, he drank a lot of water, and it all came out in sweat. So <laughs> I, would, I would like like get up off of the mat, and I'd come home, and I, Julie can attest to this. I'd be like, there's no amount of showering that I can do that will get that man's sweat off of my body. And it is painful, but... There you go, that is coaching. Now, but what I knew about coaching, what I knew that must happen, and I was, a, I was a wrestler and I had coaches like this, good coaches, bad coaches, you know, but the best coaches I ever had drilled and practiced the fundamentals. They did it over and over again. So I learned that. And I knew that as a, as a leader of that team, as a coach, I had to be intentional about what every player needed what every wrestler needed. So I'd observe them. I'd, I'd see them in their matches, in their practice sessions. I had a plan for them. We would drill and drill and drill, and they would, they would you know, uh, be ready to drop. But we had fun with it, too, and we learned to get to know each other. I knew, you know, all their names and what was important to them and their favorite video game and all that stuff. But we, between being intentional about what they needed, drilling the basics and developing a relationship with them, we had the best team there was. We won more than any other team. We won more matches, we had more fun, but we knew how, myself and I, uh, myself and the coach that, that helped me knew what the fundamentals are. And that is the same here in the church. We need intentional leaders, and you need to be intentionally discipled. That's very, very important. Think about it right now. Take a step back and think, you know, we have business plans and, you know, you, you plan uh, what you want to do in your garden, what you want to do, you know, with your house. You have all these plans, right? How intentional are you about your own spiritual growth? Do you have a plan? Are you doing it by the seat of your pants? Do you have a plan for your children. That's the more important thing. Because think about it. I think a lot of parents have a plan for how to get their kids 
a scholarship for a sport or you know, how to make sure they're the best musician that they can be or how do I get them into the right college. We have plans for those things. Got to fill out your FAFSAs and all that stuff. But do you have a plan for your children's spiritual growth, for their discipleship? Because our church is here to help, but you as parents, guardians, loved ones, are the most important relationships. You must be intentional with your discipleship and your relationship with your kids. Because to not be intentional is essentially giving it away to the enemy. Nothing great happens by accident. You don't fall backwards into greatness. So you have to have a plan. And in discipleship, it's the same thing. We need and we are developing intentional leaders because that's the beginning of the equation. If, if we're all kind of going in our own direction, if Pastor R, myself, and the elders are not watching out for our team here, our family, we're going to be tossed about by every single wave and wind of doctrine, right? We're not going to be grounded in the word. We're not going to know what our focus is, what our important uh, you know, goals and missions are, and, and what we feel God is calling us to do. And so for an intentional leader, there's a couple things they need, right? It's just like we said in, in, in uh, the, the example of coaching. Like, you can't coach a sport that you know nothing about, right? The coach uh, and our intentional leaders need to know the game, to use the analogy. They need to know the game. They need to know the Bible fairly well, not perfectly. Nobody can, can do that, no matter how much, you know, you, you study. But you need to know the game in a sense that you need to know the Bible, how to form a biblical worldview, and how to teach that in a practical way. Not in just a classroom setting, but how to really help someone live that out. Help somebody grow in that area. So you need to know the game. You need to be able to explain and teach what, what is the purpose of this Christian life? What is our goal? What's our purpose? What are the, you know, the disciplines that are helpful for Christians in growth? What's the purpose of the church, et cetera? Like if you, you know, you need to know those things. And you, if you don't know those things, need to be under intentional leadership around someone who knows that and who can help you grow in your walk. It's important. And we know that in Ephesians 4, um, you know, Paul mentioned in verses 11 through 13, really the, the whole mission of the church leadership team is to equip the saints, that's all of us, for the work of the service, for the building up of the body of Christ, so that we all become mature in our walk. That's, we're not ever to stop growing. <laughs> you don't get to take you know, time off. You don't retire from your Christian walk. And so that's an important aspect you know, that, that's focused on intentional leadership. Another thing is yeah, you need to know the players. So an intentional uh, leader really needs to know his team. He needs to be able to be listening very carefully, listening just as much as he's talking to understand where are my people? Where are these people? Where are your kids? Where are they? Are you listening? Are you having really a good dialogue with them, a good conversation? Are you, are you asking them questions that are going to get beyond just you know, the gossip of the day? 
because you need to know where they are in order to help them know where they fit and what they need. You know, we need to, as, as intentional leaders here at this church, uh, we, we look for and help you understand what is your spiritual gift? What are, what are things that God has gifted you to do in his body? And how do we help you plug in? How do we help you serve? And they also need to be creating a relational environment and a plan. That's really important. And we're going to get to that in a little bit more. But the, this, the creating a relational environment where there's growth happening. Okay? Discipleship happens by close proximity. Right? I think we know that. I think we've, we've seen that in, in uh, the example of Jesus with, with his, his disciples. But it takes time and it takes a close relationship, proximity. Um, you need to be invested. You need to be available and accountable. And so we need to do that. We need to be there with our kids. I, you know, one of the most convicting things as a parent is to hear one of those stories where you have a father, you know, on his deathbed. I, I, I knew a man that, that mentored me, not discipled me, but mentored me at work when he was uh, passing. His kids were nowhere to be found. They, they didn't even know him. They didn't have a relationship with him. They, and and he, I remember him saying to me, John, I've learned that my kids didn't come to my deathbed and ask me, can, can you, you know, I wish you would have bought more stuff for me. Right? Think about it. You know, your kids aren't going to come to you at the end of your life and say, I wish you would have bought more stuff for me. That's not what develops the relationship. They're going to say, I wish you spent more time with me. Because relationship is important. We are created to be in relationship. And Jesus, you know, we know that he was the most intentional leader we can look to, right? He spent so much time with his, his uh, disciples. And when you look through the scripture with the lens of Christ as an intentional leader and, and a relational leader, when you look through the scripture and you look through some of the stories like the feeding of the 5,000 in John 6, right? You read through that story and you realize how intentional he was. He, it wasn't just a story about a miracle, and it was. It was a miracle. But it was also a story about how he was testing and training his disciples to trust him, to have faith. And I love the, the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man. You all like that one? Maybe we'll sing it next week. But when... When you look at the story in Luke 19, you realize that it wasn't just about uh, Christ saving a lost soul, right? It was more about how he was showing his disciples how to catch fish, be a fisher of man, men, how to find people who are in need, how to um, disciple them into a relationship with him. There's, there's so much about what Christ did on earth. And then, you know, you have uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the best human example we have. He was so intentional. If you look at all 13 of his letters, you know, he knew the game. I mean, he was part of helping write the playbook. He knew the players. He knew the people. If you see the relationship he had with Timothy and Titus, he really was intentional about the relationship he has with them. And he specifically gave them practical ways on how to grow in their walk. So, 
One of the first and most important things we need to know is that, A, we need to be under the leadership of an intentional leader, okay? You know, and this series is all about be one, make one, okay? And so we're going to focus on that over and over again. You need to make sure that you're being discipled by somebody who's an intentional leader. Find a relationship like that. We have tons of, uh, of leaders here at this church that would love to disciple you. We've got people um, that will be graduating from our, our discipleship class. We've got elders that would love to form a small group with you. We've got small group leaders. So if you're not and have not been in a relationship like that, you've you got to get into a relationship like that. And if you are, um, thankfully, you know, more uh, you know, further in your walk with the Lord, you're needed. You're needed to get in the game, to, to be an intentional leader, not only uh, in your own family, which is really important, but also with others. We need you to be investing. And I know that's you know, part of what Pastor R is doing with his, his uh, group on Wednesdays that meets, the prime timers. It's, it's you know, a lot of you that have been retired. You can really uh, you know, use your experience, what God has shown you in life, to help others. And we need you guys. And for parents, I'll tell you, that is your number one job, to disciple your kids intentionally. And I love the verse, you know, when, when you know, we read in Deuteronomy 6, 7, it, it's talking to parents about the commands of the Lord. And what does it say? You shall teach them, which are God's, God's commandments, diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Sounds pretty much like a full-time job for us. So. Now, since it's Mother's Day, I thought it would be best that you could um, hear a story from the, the most important mother I know, my, my wife. And um, I, I just think you know, we, we taped this earlier, and I think it would be great for you to just hear, you know, we have three kids, you know, how she's intentionally discipled them, created relationship with them, and um, uh, what makes her such a, a great mother. So let's watch real quick. Well, why don't you just come up and tell them what you were going to say? Now, <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs down. Oh, well... That might be good anyway, because, <clears throat> not because it's not quality material. Well, this is going to be a hard one to recover from. No. We taped this uh, a, a week and a half ago, and there was like 20 minutes worth of material. I wasn't going to show you 20 minutes, I, I promise. It was going to be three and a half minutes to the, to the minute. Um, but I, we, we taped it, and it was like 20 minutes, and I was going through, and I was like, oh, that's really good. Well, and that's really good, and that's really good. And so the next thing I know, I'm like, well, that's 15 minutes. I could just sit down, and that would be the service. So, uh, you know, so it, what I mean is there's so much material that, that um, Sharon also kind of is, is cutting it. Same with Chris Richardson's testimony from last week. We're, we're going to have them out on the, on the website for you to see. But needless to say... My wife is a great example of an intentional leader with our kids. That is the summary point. <clears throat> Take a bow. You, you deserve it. 
But no, I really, I, I wanted to, to highlight the, the two aspects we're talking about. Um, you know, she is not accidental. We, you know, she spends time with them, takes devotionals, you know, and walks with them, and, and it's about a relationship. I, I can't tell you how much uh, better she is at that than I am. The, the, you know, like, she takes the time where I'm, like, too quick to move to the point, you know, or... Uh, we were just, our daughter was just sharing something on Friday, and I was like, all right, well, you know, let's, let's wrap that up, because it seemed to me like, <clears throat> and, 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 you know, our daughter's like, well, you tell us to share everything, and I was like, well, that's a good point, you know, I, I'm not so good, but my wife is, is the listener, she, she listens, and she's got that relational, uh, you know, environment for our kids, where we are thankful that they, they have brought some things up that are that are tough, um, and that's where we grow. You don't grow when you're hiding in a closet, right? You don't grow uh, when you're, you know, living a lie. And so, you know, we want to develop that in our children. But the other component, as I'm, as I'm getting to, is, is a relational environment. We were created for relationship. We were created for relationship. As I said, it's one of God's very own qualities that he instilled within us, right? When we are in his likeness and in, in his image. And we see it perfectly before the fall. Before the fall, Adam and Eve were in perfect relationship with each other and with God. He created them uh, for that relationship. He walked with them. We know that Jesus was relational on his walk, uh, in his walk on the earth. We see that in the relationship he built with, with his disciples over and over again, you know, and you see the examples of the woman at the well and, and the people that he spent time with. He knew that relationship is what gets to people's hearts and, and drives change and repentance. And he knew that more is caught than taught. He knew his disciples were going to learn more as they walked with him in relationship, close relationship. I, you know, I, I read about the whole rabbi-student relationship. It was amazing. Like, they would follow the rabbi everywhere, like into the bathroom, everywhere. You know, like, you would, they would follow them in life. And, and so this time spent for three long years, they were getting all this discipleship. And we need to realize it does take time, right? You know, some people have done the math. It's like 10,200 hours of discipleship training under Jesus that his disciples received. And so when we think about it and we get frustrated with our kids and we get frustrated with people we're discipling, why don't, you know, why don't they ever learn? Like the song said, you know, why won't they change? Well, it takes time. It takes time. It takes relationship. And it's extremely important. And in fact, the real reason is because we were created to be in that relationship. Jesus made that point very clearly in, 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 his, uh, you know, in his, his walk with his people here. And we see that over and over again. Because you know, you're not going to grow in your, in your walk with the Lord without relationship. And I, I struggled with that at times in my life. I grew up with some hurt from, from the church, you know, relationships, things that I felt like you know, that I, that I couldn't really get over. And there were times in my walk that I wanted to just do it on my own. I thought, I, I could do it on my own. He's got my Bible, and I, I know how to study. 
But I, I learned over and over again, without the relationship, without the relationship, there's no growth. And without the transparency and vulnerability, learning to share life together, learning to open up and let someone in, those are the relationships that are going to make the most difference. When we're in the word together and vulnerable and transparent, and think about it. So for all of you, do you or have you had that type of relationship? Think about it. One where you're actually able to be honest. And I think most times, even with spouses, sometimes you need someone, uh, you know, a friend who can be there for you like that. Somebody that you can really be honest and open in a true discipleship relationship. Again, not just, you know, a buddy that you share everything with or talk about all those stories or things you're ashamed of. No, I'm saying like in a discipleship relationship where you're really opening up and holding each other accountable to growth, growing closer to the Lord. In fact, for me, um, I remember, you know, when we were newly married, that was the most impactful relationship that I had as myself and, and another two guys. We were really close. We, we grew through our, our small group. Um, we were part of a, a young couple, uh, you know, small group that we really loved. Um, we really lived life together. Everybody, you know, we learned a lot together. And it was, that, it was in that relationship that we developed this closer, deeper relationship where we could start to really share. We, we could really teach each other about the word, be in relationship together. Because for, for, for those of you that, that come here every week, that's a good thing. But that's not where true discipleship will happen. And for those of you that come less than every week, well, then it really isn't going to happen, Right? So it's really about getting into these relationships, living life together, learning about the word. I love um, you know, what, what Hebrews uh, 10, 24 through 25 says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And think about where we are right now. Do you think the day is drawing near? I think so. So shouldn't we be together uh, in fellowship, working together, living together, learning together? More and more, that is, that is the important thing. And as I said before, the goal is to be one and to make one. So think about it. I mean, I, I, I really want you to take this home with you and think about it. Are you one? Are you in relationship? Are you learning in relationship with an intentional leader? Are you getting into a small group? Not just maybe a family small group, but maybe just a small group of two or three men. We heard it from Chris last week. Uh, those are the relationships that really change your life. Those are the opportunities where you can learn from others, you can really open up. And think about it. If, and for men, that's harder. Think especially men, you know, two or three guys is the max, you know, where you can actually be transparent, you know, you can be vulnerable and accountable. But if you are not in a relationship like that, talk to us. We, we, can, we can connect you with people who can help you. 
And, and again, as I said before, for those of you who are at that point in your walk with the Lord, that you've grown, that you've learned, you don't have it all figured out. That's fine. In fact, it's better that you don't. But that you can teach others what you've learned. Here's one thing I did, and it was actually when I came to this church, we were doing a discipleship series almost four or five years ago, and it really was a challenge to me that if you are at any point in your walk with the Lord where you feel like you have grown, you're not a brand new beginner, that, that pretty much will be 95, 96% of you in here. Pray about two people, just two people in your life. And if you have a pen, write them down if you can think of it. Pray that the Lord will reveal two people in your life and begin to pray. And then after about a week of praying, invite them into a relationship, into a discipleship relationship. You know, you don't need to go through a class to do that. We have the class for you to help, but you don't need to go through a class to do that. Find two people and, and just start meeting with them. I have grown more myself in, in leading a discipleship class. I have learned more through those experiences than any other way myself. So you never stop learning. So as the leader, you're learning. And the people that um, are listening, you know, they're in our group. We had a group of four men. Um, you know, each of them were in different stages, and each of us kept learning more and more and growing and challenging each other. And they went on to disciple more people. So get into that relationship. Or as a family, get into a, a small group. I know we, we say it over and over again, but really, you know, just coming on Sunday is not going to give you the joy of your salvation, not going to give you the growth that, that you need in your life or, or the experience that's going to help you. And I think of this, as I said before, you know, I think one of the, the famous sayings that a, a pastor of ours used to say, you know, you don't, you, you can, we're all, we're all able to help people grow. You just need to remain humble. You just need to remain humble, you know, and realize, he, he would say, we're all just one blind beggar trying to tell another blind beggar where to find food. And it really is a good example. Like, we're not ever going to figure this out completely, but we can all help each other and grow. So those are the things for this week that we want to really focus in on. And, and I guarantee you, okay, those three things, the foundation of the Word of God, intentional leadership, and a relational environment, those are three things that the enemy will always try to steal, always try to steal, make you too busy to open the Word of God. As a family, try to sit down and have a devotions or, or open the word of God. You're going to get distracted. It's going to be tough. How many people coming to church today, you know, uh, you know, had a difficult time getting the kids ready and all that stuff in their Sunday best? The, the enemy will try to deflect and, and to discredit the word of God. We see this in our society right now, right? A devaluing of the word of God. It's no longer considered inerrant or... You know, the only playbook for our lives. But, it, but that is the enemy's work, and he's going to do that. And we're not going to let him here. And the other thing, you know, intentional uh, leadership, being intentional. That is something that the enemy will distract you with busyness, with jobs, sports, entertainment, 
you know, you, you name it. He'll distract you from being intentional. He'll continue to, to just kind of make you just live the next day of your spiritual life and then the next day and repeat and repeat. Never just taking a step back to say, what's going to really, what's it going to take for me to come further in my walk this year? What's it going to take for me to put behind that habit or that sin that keeps surfacing in my life? And that's the intentionality that's needed. But the enemy wants to say, ah, tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll quit. Tomorrow I'll do this, you know, and so forth. And a relational environment. The enemy hates godly relationship. He divides. He, you know, wants to bring strife, division. We must protect relationship and unity at all costs. That's the most fundamental thing that we need to do here as a church body. And so we're here to partner with you. We won't give up, and we're going to um, encourage you, as I mentioned, you know, to really make sure that you are in a real, meaningful discipleship relationship, because God uh, loves you too much to just leave you where you are. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for um, just who you made us as your creation, uh, for the, the wonderful, loving care that you put into developing us in your image, in your likeness. We just thank you for relationship. We know, Lord, that it can be the most challenging and frustrating thing in our lives or the most uh, meaningful, joyful things that we have in our lives. We thank you so much uh, for all the women, all the, the mothers, the mother uh, influences in our lives, those that have sacrificed, gives us a small window of, of knowing uh, your love when we see the love of a mother for, for their, her children. We just thank you so much, and we want to honor them, and we know it's a thankless job, and, and uh, just ask that you give us a time of just uh, really celebration of, of the lives that have been lived for you, Lord. We thank you so much for the opportunity as a church body to meet together, to grow together, to be in relationship, to be able to study your word and understand truly uh, the purpose you have for us as a church body. We just thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, I promise, I know I'm standing between uh, mothers and cupcakes and... <laughs> it's a dangerous place to be. Dangerous place. But I promise you're going to be thankful for this. Sit down just briefly. Uh, I just wanted to give a quick update. You know, we've talked a lot about the project that we've been doing, the multi-purpose space on the second floor. And really, I mean, what a connection into what we were talking about today. You know, creating a space, creating the capacity, you know, where we can be in relationship, where we can grow together. And it's, it's really exciting, all the work that's being done. I've heard many awesome stories I want to share one funny story about what's been going on, okay? So, you know, we've, we've got our envelope campaign over there. We only have 30, 30 envelopes for $38,800 left. That's it. So, definitely, you know, it's in under one month, we've already raised uh, $203,000. 
okay? And, um, you know, so definitely there's, there's 30 envelopes left. We, we, can, we can get this done. We, we are going to get this done, and the Lord's going to lead us. The funny story is that um, <laughs> I, I saw a father last week, and, and he told me that his son, he was, you know, and this is great. Talk about intentional discipleship of your, chi- your, your children. He, he told his son, hey, you know, really pray, think about, go grab an envelope for our family to commit to. Like, we, you know, grab an envelope. That's, that's, I mean, there's some big numbers of it, and not anymore, but, you know, it could be a little dangerous. Well, his son went and grabbed uh, an envelope, brought it back, and he looked at it, and, you know, it was a $10,000 envelope, and uh, his son was like, yeah, you know, where's the money? It, 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 there's just a slip in here. And he's like, no, 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 we have to give that money. We don't, there's not 10000 in this envelope. So needless to say, he, they found a different envelope, so it, 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 which, which is good. So, but anyway, I wanted to share that, and I wanted, Paul, if you can reveal our next block, we have hit the $200,000 mark, so thank you all. Thank you. Mothers, please enjoy a very, very well-earned cupcake. Thank you.